welcome to episode three of House on 1500. It is June 1st, 2017. My name is Emily and I am the older sister. I'm joined by Annie, the middle sister, and Megan, the little sister. Um, Today we're going to talk about a little bit of our high lows, an update on the YouTube channel I introduced my sisters to last week, and then Megan's going to share her awesome skill of being a NICU nurse. (laughs) All right, so let's get started. Um, Megan, why don't you start with the high-low this week? Okay, so since last time our low was kind of sad to end on, I'm going to go low first, (laughs) and then on my high. (laughs) Um, My low, not significant, but super obnoxious. So I have a third grader, and I did not know that they had been working on a film or multiple films for a third grade film festival. They've been doing it for a while. So I was told that there's a parent. Yeah, isn't that cute? So there was a parent presentation for the film festival that was supposed to be on Tuesday in the afternoon and then one for the school Wednesday morning. Well, I work night shift and I worked Monday night and Tuesday night, but they said that we could come Mm -hmm. to either the parent one or the school one. So there was no way I was going to go to the one on Tuesday in between my shifts because that I need sleep. Like that just wasn't going to happen. (laughs) But I guess I didn't communicate that with my son. And so he was super disappointed that nobody was there at the parent film festival. So I told him, I said, we will be there on Wednesday. You know, we'll be there in the morning. And I got an email from the teacher that the time had changed. She didn't specify the time had changed, but in the email, instead of nine, it was at 945, which for those of you who don't work night shift, which is probably (laughs) most of you, I get home around eh, eight o'clock, 745, eight o'clock. So staying up till 945 plus is not ideal. It's totally doable, but nine o'clock was going to be so much better and just more it was going to be easy but I had disappointed my son the night before so I wasn't going to do it I was just going to sacrifice some sleep stay up go to the film festival and then go to bed super late so we get to the school and it's over the film festival is over it really was at nine Uh, oh no the teacher I know the teacher had typed in the wrong time. So there were a bunch of parents that came and missed it. So at least it was, at least it wasn't I mean, just me. Yes. Not a parent yeah. fell. But so fell. <laughs> the silver lining is that she's sending a DVD home of all the films with each student so that we can watch it with the students or, you know, with our kids. Okay. He loves to watch videos about himself. So he actually is okay because he thinks, I think they might have gotten DVDs anyway, but Mm. maybe not. And he's under the impression that the only reason he gets to take home these movies is because everybody missed it. So he's like, that's okay. But I stayed up for nothing. I could have been asleep for two hours. So not huge. And the end of this, a silver lining, but still, it was right. kind of obnoxious. Right. And my high right. is we did some um, landscaping in our yard, and it's done now. And that makes me super happy. Yay. There was a gigantic flower bed from the previous owners that I am never going to maintain. Not ever. 
was just <laughs> weeds. And it was a big yeah. hill and a big, I just, I just hated it. So we yeah. flattened it out, took out a pine tree, put down grass, and it makes me so happy because I'm not an eyesore anymore in my neighborhood. <laughs> Isn't that so funny, funny, though? I mean, I mean, I'm the same way, too. We assume all our neighbors are like, ah, when are they going to take care of that? You know what I mean? And they probably aren't. I mean, I think everyone's so busy with their own lives. But it does feel so good that you're like, yay, I'm helping the neighborhood. <laughs> I'm doing my part. But, yeah. and, exactly. But even if my neighbors don't care, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. guilt is gone from me. Like I would exactly. no, think, oh, exactly. I, I should get to that. Yeah. But now I don't have that because there's nothing to get to. Yes, I know. <laughs> Way to go. That's exciting. That felt good. Yeah. What about you, Annie? What's awesome. your high lows? Okay, so my low for the week, which um, I feel like is going to continue on, <laughs> is I have just a lot of stuff going on with I'm helping my friend um, start a, a therapist clinic, like mental therapist. Because um, mm-hmm. I've had a few people be like, what kind of therapist? I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess there's a lot of different kinds. So for mental health, and um, and I have that. And then girls camp, which is a, a camp for girls 12 to 18 for my church and just my kids being home from school. And I know that sounds so mean, <laughs> but just not having no. having my house be quiet for hours on end like I'm used to, as well as being like, I can't leave them for hours on end. I have to be right. home sometimes. <laughs> so so yeah. all of those things, I just felt such a heavy weight on my chest, and I feel like I need to, yeah, I just feel like I don't have enough time. And I know a large part will be okay, and that's my problem. I think two months ahead. So my, that, and it's mm. a blessing and a curse because it helps me prepare and plan and I get things done. But at the same point, I'm yeah also projecting a timeline that isn't here today. So it's a bad, right. good thing. So I have to do a lot of self-talking like, <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be okay. I'll be okay. Whatever gets done, gets done, and it's okay. And really, girls' camp isn't a big stress. It's this office. It's a good stress because right. I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm not hating any of it, but I do have to, like, create a bunch of artwork, and um, I have to paint the doors. We got the wood floors in over the weekend, so that was super great. Um, fun. So, yeah. yeah, it is really fun. I'm excited. It's going to be great so there's a lot of just fun things I can't so wait furniture yeah I will I, I've been taking pictures um and you know furniture is going to start arriving soon and so you know there's just a lot to kind of organize so I'm just feeling like ah anyway. so right. and then my high was I introduced our kids to Finian's Rainbow over the weekend and they did love it. I mean, there's some slow parts because it was back sure. in the eighties and musicals sometimes have some slow parts, but it was just so great. I remember loving the music even more than I did. You know, I, cause I remember like that life is sort of grandish song when they're playing at the yeah. laundry. I just remember like playing that yeah. over and over again. I just love that. And so yeah. it's just a super cute. It was a very cute, fun movie. Um, and so it was Where did you find it? We had to buy it online. So we just okay. got it from yeah. Amazon. We, we were just going to I mean, we were just going to rent it, but 
but then it was four dollars to rent. So we're like, well, if it's yeah. one we're going to want to watch again, which Mark is like, I don't know, are we going to want to watch this again? Because, <laughs> of course, he did not grow <laughs> right. up with it. So he's feeling like, oh, but that's okay. Uh, so that was, that was super yeah. fun. Had he I never loved, seen it? He hadn't. He's, no, I've, he's heard me talk about it forever. So he's, he knows. He's like, I felt like we tried when we were in college one time because you talked about it so much. <laughs> but we could never find right. it. <laughs> And so, anyway, it's just one of those things. I remember that was a movie, too, when our parents went on a date, and they brought us a movie from Top Hat Video, and I remember looking at it thinking, like, this is going to be the dumbest movie ever. And then we ended up watching it, like, three or four times before we had to return it. So it just was super cute. So that was my high. I have no memory of that. Really? I don't have a memory of that either. Yeah. That's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so my low this week is pretty low. My oh. son, so we live oh. on a hill. I have to do the backstory, so the weight of it all is fully felt, and maybe <laughs> for documentation. Um, sure. So we live on the very top row of a hill, a mountain. Um, and so to get down to school, you have to go down a number of hills uh, to get to school and the kids will walk or ride their bike or sometimes if they're super lucky we'll give them a ride it's about a mile away um, and I have zero problems with them getting themselves to school I don't have a problem with that at all some people do some people think it's too far but that's not what we're talking about fact of the matter is my kids usually get themselves to school and it's just the three younger boys in elementary school right now so they usually start walking out together because we try and maintain a buddy system I know it doesn't work when they leave the house, but at least they leave the house together. So I sent them off on their bikes, and I get a call, well, maybe 15 minutes later, that he has broken his arm, the youngest one. And I'm thinking it's just like one of those, oh, tip the bike over, landed on it, you know, fracture, blah, blah, blah. I'm not thinking that it's anything super serious. Well, what actually happened was he was going down one of the steepest, hills and his brakes in the back failed because they weren't there anymore he had been using them so much since March so I don't know if they weren't like fully full in March or he's just used them so much that they were ground down by now I don't know anyway his brakes failed and so he couldn't stop so he went and when you go down that hill you come to a T in the road you can't just go straight down so he went down the hill. He was going so fast that he couldn't make the turn, and he went across that road. Thankfully, no cars were coming. Hit the curb on the other side, and then his bike launched him like a catapult. So not only was he going fast down the hill, he was then at a speed right. with the catapult, flew 10 yeah. feet, and smashed into a tree. So by the time That's I arrived, so there were six adults around him. And one of them just happened to be an ER nurse who was just happening oh. to ride her bike. On, and I don't believe in consequences. So I think this was sure. a total miracle. I think that's exactly where she needed you to mean be. Coincidence? And when I got there, she, yeah, what did I say? Consequences. I meant coincidences. <laughs> and uh, so you don't believe I believe in it was a consequence. <laughs> but I don't believe in coincidences. So I think it was a, I think she was where she was supposed to be at the right time. And uh, she was triaging his arm with a pillow and some duct tape. 
And she said, okay, he's got an injury on his elbow and his up by his shoulder. So we took him to the ER and they x-rayed his elbow because that's where all the trauma is. That's where there were some lacerations from where he hit the tree. I was just so lucky that he didn't hit head first or his leg or his back. I mean, for as fast as he was going, it really could have been so awful. So, so awful. Oh, yeah. Um, so they x-rayed his elbow and they didn't see anything, but they thought it might be a fracture that was just hidden by swelling. So they're bracing his arm and as they're bracing it, he's still, and they're being super ginger with his elbow, right? They're trying not to move it. They're trying to stabilize it. Um, and he, oh, there's my kitty. He wants to go out. He'll have to wait. Um, (laughs) he kept crying. And so just as we're getting to the last bit of wrap, the ER doctor pushes on his elbow and he says, does that hurt? And Sanders says, no. And the, you can see the ER doctor's face go, well, really? And he keeps pushing around the elbow asking if it hurts and he says, no, no. And then he lifts his arm up and he screams out and he goes, okay, well, where does that hurt? And he goes, up in my shoulder. And so he, the ER doctor said, well, it's probably radial pain. Like it's shooting up from the elbow, but the brain is registering it up in the shoulder he's like that's common and that sounded logical to me i'm sure that that happened right. i'm not a doctor i didn't spend years in medical school so i'm not gonna really question but he can see my husband in my face and he can see that we're still kind of unsure about everything so he said okay we'll get another x-ray up by his shoulder um, but it won't be anything because kids don't usually break their shoulders they break their elbows because that's where they land that sure. sounded very rational to us too, but we were grateful he was just willing to appease us. And so they take this x-ray and just barely below the growth plate, thank goodness, his humerus bone is snapped in two to the point where it looks like maybe the shoulder ball came out and it was disjointed, but no, it was actually bone broken and shifted up. And that's why he was so, so they almost sent his home from the ER with a completely snapped in half, humerus bone. Long story yeah. short, it ended up with surgery. He has a plate and four screws. And I tried to tell him he was Iron Man, like to make him feel better about it. Because he's going to have mm-hmm. a pretty good scar. He'll have sure. the hardware yeah. in him for probably the rest of his life, unless it really bugs him. Because sure. it's just not worth going into surgery and intubating. And no. Anyway, yeah. so he's going to have a scar there and, you know, some scars where there were lacerations and things. So I was like, oh, buddy, you're Iron Man. This is awesome. And he just rolls his eyes at me and goes, Mom, I have one plate. I am not Iron Man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We're trying to make you feel better. I know. He's like, come on, Mom. I'm glad you kept your sassy pants on. I know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, great. so I guess that's, that's my high, too, is it doesn't have to be casted. Yes, that's a huge, he, that's a huge not a leg. Yeah. Yes. It's not a leg. He's not paralyzed. Yes. He's not dead. So yeah. the lower yeah. the are kind That's of all together. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All good it's an Extreme weekend. Yeah. Anyway. We'll so. have to put pictures of That's the x-ray on there too. Yes. And then the happy. yeah. And then and the, the finish. So yeah. Okay, so let's move on to a different kind of update. Last week we talked about my stretch that I shared with everybody was a YouTube channel called Alex Steele. He's a super young blacksmith. And I wanted my sisters to watch it because I'm totally I, obsessed with him now. I have watched some. And it, so I'm good. 
<laughs> oh, you did watch some? I'm watching it right now. <laughs> You're watching it? <laughs> yes. How are you listening I, to it? That's part of the office. I know. I'm listening to it with an earphone in my hair or my ear, so I'm good. Oh. I'm a multitasker. <laughs> you are I'm a multitasker. Annie is the definition of multitasking <laughs> in personification. Well, so, okay, I what do you guys think? I think he's super fun, and I think it's really, really I cool. I, and you're right. The fantastic to have you here it's so fun <laughs> I know yeah. I love that so much yeah. well and he looks different than I was anticipating for whatever reason his poofy hair was throwing me off I like know. at first when I first saw him I was like what that's him so yeah, yeah. but he too. His, but didn't Emily think the cinematography I think Emily warned us that he had poofy hair did you okay I think somehow I remember the Wrangler jeans the cowboy and poofy hair kind of I don't remember poofy hair, but yes, it threw me off. <laughs> I think I did see that he's a little bit like he's after you get to know him, he's yes. super endearing. But at first, oh. you're like, oh, he's I love him already. Be kind of like, yes, yeah. No, it just like when I first so, when no, I was first searching for it, and that his face came up, a guy with glasses with poofy hair. I just wasn't expecting his blacksmith, so I thought I had the wrong guy. But then I looked right. into him and was like, well, nope, this is him. <laughs> that was my exact when I first found him I'm like this dude's a blacksmith this kid yes. this child yes. is a blacksmith yes and then you listen to him and you're like oh he really knows what he's talking about like this isn't just a hobby this is legit oh his career and, and he's yes. really good at it and his cinematography really and like what you're fun. saying the lighting yes. and the slow motion and the angles like there's yeah. got to be so much time yeah. going into these five, seven-minute videos. I can't. It's, imp- it's impressive. Yeah. Well, and he doesn't know. have a crew. He, I was yeah, going to ask say, you that. Does he have a friend? Does he, he have a friend you. that, like, well, he moves has the camera for like, him or something? No. He does it. So he does have okay. a rotating tripod that's, like, okay. an tri- that it will, like, kind of work. Um, he either has, I don't know if he has multiple cameras set up at the same time, because that's Possible. what it kind of seems yeah. like to me. Yeah. And then just um, or yeah. if he just, like, pauses it and it's just, like, stops yeah. the camera, moves it, and then continues on, and it's just a phenomenal editor that it looks like oh. the same action. Sure. But he's actually right. taken a step in between to move the camera, which it could be, because yeah. I think he's talented enough yeah. to be able to. Right. So, I mean, watching it just for the cinematography alone is entertaining. And then you get the added benefit of knowing that this Uh 19-year-old has been blacksmithing since he was 16-year-old and now has his own company. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Em. My kids would love that. Yeah, I'm glad you guys liked it. I want everybody to know about them. Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I feel really protective about it. And now they will. I'm glad that you guys had a chance to watch it, even if it's multitasking during the podcast. <laughs> I still am glad that you watched it. <laughs> no, I am glad I did too. Okay, well, moving on to the Skillshare of the week is Megan, and she is a NICU nurse, and she's going to talk to us about what that is like. Okay, so I, like, like Emily said, I am a NICU nurse, which is a neonatal intensive care unit. Um, I work at a children's hospital here in Salt Lake City in Utah, and so there's four different levels. A level one, just for some background and general information, a level one NICU is um, a basic 
well baby nursery. Babies that are born might need some, you know, glucose checks or maybe just a whiff of oxygen for a couple hours or something like that, and then they're totally fine. Yeah. So that's a level one, okay. and it goes all the way up to level four. So I work at a level four, and there's what that means is that we can pretty much do all of it. Um, so okay. a, a level four NICU has to be able to have – provide surgery services um, for these infants and for other specialties like genetics or cardiology or, you know, some of those other subspecialties. So that's what yeah. level four NICU is. And it's, I mean, it's intense. People, when, when people hear that I'm a NICU nurse, so many people think, oh, that must be so fun. You just get to snuggle those babies. <laughs> and I think, well, sometimes, because it's not that I don't get to occasionally, but that is right. not what I do. Um, you know, that's, that's a level one, maybe even a level two, right? But not, not what I do. And so when I was pregnant with my very first kid, I had already been working there three or four years. And so I had seen a lot and I was stressed to the max of what was going to go wrong with this baby that I was pregnant with yeah. because of everything that I saw. And I kept telling myself, yeah. you see a very small percentage <laughs> to try right. and put it into the perspective of how mm. common it is for children to be born healthy <laughs> and, right. to, and for deliveries to go well and everything. Yeah. But it was, my subsequent pregnancies, I was fine. But that first one, I was such a disaster. <laughs> but, um, and I feel like, too, that goes with anybody in any kind of thing where you're honed in on a certain, you know, focus of life. You know, you tend to get yeah. wing on that other, the other side of it, you know. So. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I would look at my friends who were pregnant around the same time as me, and they were just blissfully ignorant of <laughs> everything that could possibly happen. Yes. And I thought, huh, that must be nice. <laughs> or right. Yeah. Right. But I think it's impressive so, what you do, Megan. I am I mean I, I feel like you. you've always been had a big heart, continue to have a big heart, but I feel like I would want you in my room if I had a child that needed it. So that's oh yeah. Well, they, Amen. And and at the risk of sounding conceited, <laughs> I'm really good at it's what not I do. Like, I, it's not conceited <laughs> to admit that you're good at something. That's no. just owning a talent. I think so too. That, that's and true. Yeah. I I have a I have a skill, and I am I am good at my job. Yeah. And I believe it. I said, and you've practiced oh. it. So I think there's that sweet spot right in the middle where you yeah. acknowledge it, but you're not bragging about it. It's just simply acknowledging that it's there and you've worked hard for it. Yeah. Um, because I think being like, oh, no, I'm not good at it, is just as annoying as somebody being like, oh, my gosh, yes. I am amazing. I, you know what yeah, I mean? Totally. So I, I mean, yeah. I've been, let's see, so I have been doing this, it will be 12 years at the end of the summer. I've been in this wow, job for crazy. 12 years. And it's so interesting that, you know, you can have babies with a similar diagnosis and things are still so different. I mean, there's enough similarities that you can try and, like, predict the, the path of their, 
their hospitalization, but there's so many unique, you know, individual circumstances with each child that it's still, you still can't 100% say sure how long they'll be in the hospital or how long it will take to recover or if this medication right. is going to do the same thing. You know, like it's still, it's still so individualized for each patient. I have a question. Yeah. Do you find that the personality of the child makes a difference? Like, do you see fighters versus kids who are a little oh, bit more absolutely. like, absolutely, whatever? Huh? Do you think they just come down like that? Is it? It's not. Do you think it matters how their parents are? I'm just curious. Okay, so my answer is multifaceted because there is for sure babies that fight harder than others, and as a general rule, the boys fight less. They're a little bit lazier than the girls, hmm. and I don't know why that is, and everybody talks about it. It just is. Girls just are feisty. They just have attitude. Um, mm. But not to say that there's not boys that are fighters, because there absolutely are. It's just as a general stereotype. Um, right. And I think their personalities are what they are born with. They're, and, hmm. and you can see the personalities reflected in the parents. That's, that's pretty common to be like, oh, I see that in, in your dad or in your mom or, you know, little, little anxieties or little things that the parents do. You can see the child will latch on to. And I think right. because where I work is so intensive and, and it is literally life and death for so many of these patients, yeah. it's interesting to me to see that a child who honestly probably could not or probably won't survive will hold on until a parent is ready until a parent has accepted hmm. the outcome and the reality right. of what is happening oh. now that doesn't always happen sometimes sure. the child will go right. whether the parents are ready or not but it's yeah. not uncommon for the for the baby to to stick around until the parent will be able to accept it as best as any mm. parent can accept the worst thing right. that's ever happened in their life. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't no want to say this. Right. Yeah. But right. nobody, right. you know, you nobody's can, prepared for it. Nobody really wants to accept it. Right. But right. Or, huh. or for the parents but that don't are, and never allow that reality to sink in, those babies will leave when the parents are not in the hospital because they know that their parents will not be okay. And so when those parents, so it's, it's, it's a really interesting, which it's a right. really interesting, which makes it harder thing. for those parents, right? Cause they're going to, they're going to feel like, Oh, I wasn't there. I should have been when there. Yes and, I should have. Yes and no, there. but here's, here's, here's how it makes it easier. A lot of those babies, we were, uh, we had recommended to the parents that they withdraw support a long time ago, and they had chosen not oh. to. And because modern medicine is amazing, we can keep those children alive. Whether yeah. we should is mm. a whole different topic that could go on forever. But the parents right. chose right. not to end support. And we can keep those babies alive for months, months and months and months in the hospital. Mm. And so mm. those babies... They will check out when a parent is not there because they can't fight anymore. They can't hold on any longer. It's right. been so hard, and they know that their parents won't let go. They're holding on. The parents are holding on, holding on so tight. So even though the parents miss it, mm -hmm. it's actually better for them because they didn't make that choice. 
right? They didn't choose to stop care. They feel better because their child made that decision, right? right? Megan, what do you feel like? Because you do see people at their worst possible moments. So what have you noticed in humankind that you feel like is a characteristic trait that helps someone get through that in the most, graceful way as possible uh yeah a little bit i mean obviously my job is first and foremost the baby and the patient but so much of my job includes the parents right because they're it's different than if you know a 30 year old is in the hospital you're going to deal with that patient and yeah you might deal with the family but you're not answering to the family you're not the family's not making decisions that patient is so your focus is the patient but my job I have to include the parents and I and I want to but so a lot of I'm a little bit of a social worker a lot of the time Mm -hmm. with with Mm -hmm. regards to the families Um, and there are people who cope better than others hands down like that is that is a very obvious thing Um, Mm -hmm. having family support is huge especially in my hospital where the average length of stay is a month. I mean, that's, well, I still think that's on the lower end. Like you're there for a long time and sometimes three to six months. That's not that uncommon. So to try and keep your sanity when you're in that situation for such a marathon is really difficult. And I've been so amazed at how, how pleasant people can still be when their life is turned upside down. I mean, obviously, you're going to have the the people that don't cope very well, and they're very unpleasant. They're very difficult to take care of. But as a general rule, people are just grateful. They're just grateful because they know that their baby would have died. You know, they know that they had to come here, and all the things we're doing have to be done in order to save their kid. So most of them are just very grateful. But those that have support fare so much better whether it's support to watch other children that they might have or to make sure that they eat and they they try and get some sleep you know and try and do some self-care um so support i think is one of the number one things but then it's the people that are just generally grateful in their life for other things not this big major we're so grateful for the medical community kind of thing but the the people that have a lot of gratitude in general I think are able to cope better because they're able to they're more optimistic they recognize good things in life despite the bad things that are happening so it doesn't weigh so heavily Mm. you know I think I think that's a big characteristic of if you're going to if you're going to cope well is if you are grateful, grateful. if you have gratitude in your life grateful before this yeah. happened. So not entitled. Then you're going to yeah. have an entitlement problem. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Megan, what made you decide to go into nursing and then NICU specifically? Okay. So I figured when I was about 14, I decided that I wanted to be a nurse. Um, and I wish that I had some profound <laughs> something that made me realize that. Right. Uh, the best that I can recall is I was doing a report on, and I chose Florence Nightingale in mm-hmm. junior high. 
And I did a report on her, and I just thought she was so amazing. You know, and, yeah. and she didn't even have anything that I have. You know, right. she, what she realized was that, you know, you got to wash your hands and clean some linens. And, you know, like some right. basic stuff that, that really right. changed the outcome for all of these people. And she was just so, mm. she was just really amazing. And I thought, mm. I could do that. I think that yeah. sounds like me. I really like to help people and I like mm. to get in their business. Like I'm a little bit nosy. <laughs> so, you know, I, I would I think never describe you as bit. nosy. I would never describe you as nosy. <laughs> All right. You're right. Maybe not nosy, but I, but I like I to know people um, yeah. and not just generally. I like to know the specifics yeah. about people, how they work, how they think. Sure. I really like yeah. to get to know a person's core. That's what I yeah. mean by nosy. Okay. Like I okay. like I to would get agree involved. With that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I decided, and then, you know, our parents were divorced at that time, and mom was working a bunch of jobs, and I, she was never home. And I thought, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to, not that I was at 14 planning on getting divorced in the future, but I wanted to make sure that, heaven right. forbid, my husband died, mm-hmm. you know, that I would be able to provide for my family without spending so much time away from my family and that it would be a good provision, you know, that I could, Mm -hmm. I could really, that I wouldn't have to rely on anybody to help our family out. So I decided nursing Mm -hmm. and then all through nursing school, I was pretty determined I was going to be a nurse midwife, not, not one of the crazies that does it at home but like in hospital where I've got equipment and people and support, that, that was what I was going to do. And um, like, I even remember in my baby class, like, you know, my, my nursing classes about infants and, and deliveries and pregnancies, I knew all of it before I even studied it. Like as they're yeah. teaching me in class, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I already knew that. And I have no idea how I knew that other than I'm, I personally believe that it was, I knew it in a, you know, I already had that knowledge with me. I was just remind, I was just being reminded being of reminded. that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that, that was really, my other friends, yeah, and my other friends in, you know, my nursing class, that class was so hard for them. I was like, why? Like, it just is. You just know it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't. <laughs> they didn't just know it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so... When I graduated, I was going to go work in the labor delivery because clearly that was my calling, right? Like that's what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And they weren't hiring new graduates. You had to have a couple years of nursing experience before you could work in a labor and delivery. And there was no way I was working on a medical surgical floor. There was no way with adults. I already knew that that was not, <laughs> that was not going to be a fit for me. So when this children's hospital NICU was hiring, I thought, sure that's babies. That'll, that'll fit in well with my life plan. You know, and I'll do that for a couple of years and then I'll move on. And I, I went there and I started my job and I thought I am never leaving. This is it for me. I have found my, and I, and it's been 12 years. It's been 12 years. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. I feel like we could talk about this for a whole other episode and maybe we will, maybe we'll, we'll bring it up again and just dedicate an entire episode to this. So we'll see you guys next episode. Thank you so much for joining us um, on House on 1500. All right, girls. Thanks so much for talking with me today. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.